We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming a late Wednesday evening. It's February 8th for another hour here after the Wolves won in Utah. I don't even know what the final score was. They won by a lot. And I am joined by Kyle Tige from Score North for this initial reaction, I guess we'll call it, podcast. And that reaction is not necessarily not to the game. It is to the D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks trade that went down about 30 minutes before tip-off tonight. Kyle, we got a bunch of different angles and kind of sneaky angles to get to with this trade. I'm going to need your help to not forget all these things that we need to touch on, but I think the place to just start is by asking you uh, your initial reaction to what is now Tim Conley's second big trade since taking over uh, the Wolves front office this summer. So fire away. Simply, simply put, before we get into all of it, like simply put, this was because the, the the reaction to this was so split and it was a perfect encapsulation of D'Angelo Russell's kind of career. I mean, it's just I can't remember covering a player who was either liked as much by certain people or disliked as much by certain people. Right. Also, too, February 8th. 2023, the day that he gets traded away, February 8th, 2020, was the day that he was introduced. So on the same day, three years ago, that he was welcomed to Minnesota, he is now departing Minnesota in a trade that, again, to give you your props, like you had tweeted out that Excel spreadsheet, basically, you did like a how-to on using the lookup and the sum tab, but uh, that, that was a good way to put it. I mean, you've been talking about this for a while now, regardless of the players whether you think Conley's better or Delo's better, one's younger, whatever, they needed to do something to keep that slot alive and to keep their options open. And and this, we'll get into this, I know, in a little bit, but three second-round picks is not nothing, especially if you just watch the Timberwolves jazz game because the two best players on the court tonight were Jalen Noel, a second-round pick, and Josh Mina, a second-round pick. So a, a massive trade, a trade that both is designed to keep them humming right now um, and kind of falls into that all-in-ish window. We're trying to win games now. 
but also keeps their op- options open, as you've talked about for weeks, about what they can do this summer, having that contract on the books. Is Mike Conley the starting point guard of this team for the future for five years? No, but you you fill the slot. You got draft capital, something you needed because you spent so much to get Gobert. Um, and to top it all off, you get a, a massive I mean, I know it sounds pretty minor compared to the trade, but you get a massive win against the team you're fighting for in the playoffs. Uh, that's not nothing either. Yeah, I think the way I entered the possibility of a D'Angelo Russell trade, and we've been talking about these things in different parts over the course of the past month or so, um, I, you know, I was looking for getting multiple things back. I think that's what what justified it. And not necessarily player-specific things back, but I think you had to consider the draft compensation, you had to consider the salary cap, and you had to consider continuing to build this roster out. So I was looking at it like you needed, you wanted to get, one, a player whose money doesn't expire at season's end, right? So that salary slot that D'Lo had held is salvaged, and that's not just him walking for nothing. Like, that was a possibility, a likelihood, but it also keeps that near max contract on the books that you that you can now hold and have in Mike Conley or or you know trade again that's a, a big part of this too that we can talk about because it's a partially guaranteed contract but you wanted to salary you wanted to salvage a salary slot you wanted a young player on a rookie deal and you wanted draft compensation and quite frankly my reaction is I don't think you even needed all three of those things and and now what you could do is you can nitpick how good each of those three things are but you can't say they didn't get all three of them, right? The salary slot in Mike Conley has been salvaged. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is, if nothing else, a, a young player on a rookie deal, which means he will be a restricted free agent when his deal ends at the end of this end of this season. And you get draft compensation back in three second-round picks, which when I got the text of what that draft compensation was, my response was, Wait, all three to you? I mean, that that's just, was also just... credit credit to you because, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Chronological timelines don't exist anymore in Elon Musk's world. But if you could figure out Twitter today, you would see that you had those three second round picks kind of tweeted out first. Sources say so. A nice <laughs> more missile for you, but uh, yeah. When I saw that too, because throughout the day, let's let's run it back a little bit. It was a uh, the Shams bomb, right, or whatever, and it was just players. It was like D'Lo to L.A., right. Conley to the Wolves, and then Russell Westbrook, obviously, to the Jazz, and then and then picks to the Jazz. And then it was like cleaned up a little bit that like the Wolves were going to get a pick, and then it was picks plural. And that's when you started to be like, okay, like whatever you think about a Russell for Conley swap, you know, whether it be financially or on the court or whatever, it's like, okay, well, if they're getting picks back, that kind of changes everything. Yeah, and, and, and it to be three we picks, need so to crazy. we need to clarify too that the value of picks is not is not only just that you can draft a player and quite in, in this situation it's actually more right. so about those being assets that you can move in a trade again when today started the timberwolves had no first round picks that they could trade and they had three second round picks that they could trade new york's in 2023 a really crappy one that was like the lesser of indiana miami and san antonio in in 2026 and then they had their 2028 and 2029. So sorry, they had four second round picks that they could trade. That was it. That was the entirety of their draft capital that they could use to build out this roster over the next seven seasons. And you, that was a very small amount, but you did nearly double that in, in adding three more picks. 
And that is important because this isn't done. And I don't I, I don't know exactly what is going to go down tomorrow on actual deadline day. Uh, kind of everything you hear changes when a big trade like this goes down. But right. they now have seven second round picks that they can use in trades to bolster this roster at this deadline or this summer or at the next deadline, so forth, that, again, they did not have prior. And I am of the belief that that is going to be something that is critical in building a team around Anthony Edwards over the future. Now, there's still second round picks. It's not like you could necessarily go get massive, massively impactful players for that. But we've seen this happen before. We, I mean, we saw Rui Hachimura get traded for three yeah, second round picks a week ago or whatever that was. So I think there is value in that draft compensation. And it's not just, oh, Conley drafted Nicole Jokic in the second round one time. Now he has seven shots at it. Yes, I'm sure they'll use some of those seconds themselves, but they're really tools that they can use in a trade going forward. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, if I'm just being honest, I got to I gotta watch some of him tomorrow. Uh, obviously, he was a guy who was really uh, in the draft world. People really liked him coming out in 2019. I didn't really start doing draft stuff till 2020, so I, it's not a player I can really tell you a lot about his his college tape uh, before the league, uh, and he just hasn't played that much in the league, and that's it's called spade a spade. He has not been good in the in the league thus far, but it is a player on a rookie contract that will enter restricted free agency, so this is not just a rental, right? Uh, and then, obviously, the headliner is, is Mike Conley, who... You know, we are going to see how he compares against D'Angelo Russell when he gets on the floor with this team, because that's what this was about. It was about whether it was keeping D'Lo or trading D'Lo. It was the question of how does this point guard fit in the context of a roster being built around Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. We've seen with D'Angelo Russell his virtues, right? I mean, he's having arguably the best season of his career, absolutely been a dynamic scorer. And we've seen his vices when it comes to defensively what he can do. Mike Conley is going to have issues defensively as well. Mike Conley is a lot older. I'm not saying Mike Conley at all is a better player than D'Angelo Russell right now. What we need to find out is how he fits in the context of this roster. And we'll learn that over these final 24 games of the season. It is one of those, like any trade, that will be determined the value of the deal over time, right? But I like the fact that it isn't just those two straight up. There are extra values in this, albeit small, that you can use to continue to build out this roster, a roster that had extremely limited avenues to, to change going forward. There are the, the, the optionality has opened up with this team fairly significantly. Uh, when you're talking about those those second round picks or whatever, I was just thinking like three three more second round picks gives you three more chances to trade for Ed Davis. That was one of the worst <laughs> trades ever when they gave that second to the Knicks. But I digress. No, after you after you take a, a deep breath and you and you kind of look at the trade, it it goes back to the beginning. Um, I don't want I don't try not to give advice, but uh, if you're like 28 or older listening to this, I kind of believe this. If you don't think the person you're with you're going to marry, then you probably got to break up. And that's kind of what the Timberwolves did. Like, if 
and, and you you can i mean you can know more you're there every day like whatever you, you want to talk about but like if they didn't think that they were going to extend him or they didn't want to extend him or maybe they knew from him that he didn't want to be extended and stay there then no matter what like you're currently doing your standings however you're fighting to try to claw up your in the western conference you have to do this because the gobert trade as we've talked about ad nauseum was whether you think it was a terrible trade or just a bad trade they overpaid for a guy who's actually been pretty good but they overpaid and now every move you make has to be a little more strategic and a little more on the margins and a little more like finessing i mean today's trade really did sound like in his defense like tim conley kind of was like i'm not gonna do this and you need us until you give me every draft pick i can get um and that wasn't a first yeah i want to i want to ask about that more i i think given the way the tweets of reporting uh came out that's that's the way it appeared it's certainly the way i took it as again when i saw it was three seconds i was like oh that but i don't know what was exactly framing my idea that it was whoa three i think probably it was that but i i don't know how that negotiation um went down exactly all i can say is the way i reacted to it and then also just you know texting some people around the league Again, I everyone can have their own opinion. D'Angelo Russell was great. People that I got texts from around the league and in front offices, it was a resounding huge win for the Wolves. And that's because I think to some extent D'Angelo Russell faces and probably unfair amount of dislike and quote unquote hate uh, around the league. He is not somebody who is endeared. By, by front offices around the league, right? We, we learned that this summer when the Wolves were trying to trade him and and weren't able to to find that sort of pairing. He's one of those interesting players in the league where his perception amongst players is different than his perception oh, is sure. amongst front office members, which is actually kind of like the inverse of Rudy Gobert, if you think about it, right? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think if you pulled 100 players in the league to list their top 20 players in the NBA, many of them would say Rudy Gobert is on there. I think at least this summer, if you would have pulled the 30 GMs, I think many of them would have put Rudy Gobert in that top 20, 25 sort of class. And so, I, I again, I say that to bring up with D'Lo, and when we're talking about trades, we're talking about the market. That's He did not have a strong market, which made it so you had to kind of make a funky trade like this where you're trading for a player significantly older than him, that gives you optionality if it doesn't necessarily give you better play. And again, I just, I want to say this one more time. I want to stress that if, for as much as, like, I think I know about the inner workings of this team and you are on light years ahead of me, but, like, there's still so much we don't know and that will probably come out a little bit this next couple days and weeks. But, like, if someone knew on either side of this negotiation that it wasn't going to be a long-term marriage, yeah. then you just have to do this. It, it, even even it if you even if you want to break down analytically the, the spot-up shooting of D'Lo being a little better than Mike Conley or just the age or some of that stuff, it's just if if he wasn't going to be your starting Important guard factors, but next season, then you just, again, down, you know, and it kind of sucks that this is the case, but again, you made this investment into the Gobert thing, still having Carl signing that extension, you have, and Jaden ready to sign. I mean, damn, two contracts for probably four hundred million dollars this summer. So 
this is kind of the bed you made. And by doing so, you had, mm-hmm. you know, someone had to get axed. I mean, I, again, going back to the Russell thing and being polarizing. This is a really bad franchise that you and I cover, right? For, for better or worse, like some of the better years historically as a franchise over the last 43 years have been with D'Angelo Russell playing point guard. Um, what does that, you know, what does that mean for him moving forward? Like, I don't know, but I, I will always have respect for that guy. Uh, that playing game, he was, it was him and Ant, man. It was those two guys against the Clippers. And without those two guys, DeAndre Russell included, they don't win that game. In a game that Carl came up short, in a game that the bench didn't really help him out. Um, I also still, to this day, believe D'Lo is the reason Cat's still here. Uh, their friendship at the time, after the Tibbs saga and all that stuff, like, could Carl have asked out, maybe, to bring him in? Like, I will have... I think, I have, too, I, Kyle, like, this stuff has been going on behind the scenes all season. And DeAngelo, stuff. like the idea of him being traded, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the, not the idea that the idea that they tried to trade him uh, in the off season, that they didn't give him an extension in the off season. And, and he was forced under contract to, to play for this team. And was there some residual weight of that on him? that showed up at times sure but broadly from from being in that you know in the locker room and the the extent that I'm around that team you know Dilo came to work for to, to what I understand for the entirety of the season any he, any he played well it would have been easy to have gotten significantly more upset and frustrated with where this was going which was probably this direction the entirety of the time and yes he was motivated by being on an expiring contract in his next deal to do all those things. But he also did those things. And for the Timberwolves, I think that was important this season that, you know, that it wasn't a Jay Crowder situation, right? There's been no point guards on, on this team other than D'Angelo Russell. Jordan McLaughlin has been hurt for like 70% of the season. If Ant has developed this season, part of that has to do with D'Angelo Russell. The Timberwolves are, over 500 this season, a big part of that has to do with D'Angelo Russell. So to the extent that the Wolves are here, and I think this could have been a lot worse of a place that they were on February 8th when the trade deadline rolled around, I think uh, Wolves fans should should recognize that and and you know and be appreciative of the fact that this could have gone a different direction. I just, yeah, I, I, I respect it. Delo's uh, professionalism. Let, let me grab the first break here, Kyle. Well, obviously, we got a lot more to talk about, but uh, we'll keep going after a quick break. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is the MVP of the business game. With their advanced marketing techniques, they've helped over 300 brands generate over $3 billion in retail sales. So if you're an entrepreneur with any size brand or product, they're the best in the business. And for being fans of the pod, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI technology that helps founders uncover the true potential of their brand. Find out how big your brand or product should be. Don't let your competition steal the lead. Email them at grow at thegenesiscompany.com and claim your spot at the top of the game. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. 
Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with Kyle Taggy. Kyle, uh, I want to move into discussing Mike Conley a little bit, but let's uh, let's wrap up that what we were just discussing with with D'Angelo Russell before the break. I cut you off. Well, no, I was just, I was just thinking like um, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, I think you and I were always a little more pro D'Lo than others, um, and I have fond memories. Like I said, whether it be the galvanizing force that kind of kept some of this together, uh, I'll always remember. I mean, I'm making it sound like he died. He gets to go to LA in February. Like he's he's winning too. Uh, but like he, you know, he was the guy that represented the team when they won the lottery and got <laughs> Anthony Edwards, yeah. right? Um, also, too, like the Jay Crowder. I just wanted to comment on the Jay Crowder thing. Like that's really messy, and he has done Phoenix a disservice by how he's acting. And D'Angelo Russell now, whether this is a conversation, right? Do you think his shooting is sustainable long term? I don't know, but his shooting is probably why they got three second round picks. Yeah. That's right. So point, if he yeah. does the Jay Crowder thing, like, I mean, I've seen before having to attach assets to contracts. Well, it, deemed... it become that contract becomes the Russell Westbrook contract. Then at that point, right, you know right. what I mean, or maybe even worse, right? Because I mean, Crowder was Crowder making like ten, and that Crowder's a a good player, but Dan Russell's on a max contract, and if he would have, you know, waved the white flag on on this season, that would have been problematic. It, and he, he's a 30 for 30 in himself because the discourse around him is so uh, he, he isn't liked by front offices or, you know, by talking heads and stuff. But I'll always remember, too, like he was the first player on that team. He was the first person at that facility who believed in Jade McDaniels and saw it before anyone other than me saw it. Um, same with like Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, like he those young guys really looked up to him. He is a kind of a beloved teammate for the most part. So, again. The, 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 if you're if you're down, I get it because he had really played. I mean, Kendrick Perkins called him an ant the best backcourt of 2023. Um, you can take so that to the bank. <laughs> if you're or, sad about the the loss of shooting and stuff, you know there are things that this team will, you know, the Jazz game that we'll get into a little bit was an outlier. They still need offense. They still need shot making. Um, but I think it's exciting again for the fact that you you did bring in another point guard, a proven point guard. Um, the, the, the seamlessness on the court, yes, Dilo is younger, but it's not like he was, I mean, he played an old man's game, right? Methodical, slow, those types of things. Mike Conley can fit into that. And then again, I think the reason that people like myself, maybe people like you, or just anyone is excited because you, you brought in picks and no one cares about that now. And they might not all be Josh Minots, maybe just two of them will, but you need those, that draft capital down the road, because also too, you can turn two seconds into a late first. People have done that before. Sometimes teams uh, more than that, more than that. I'd say four is that's where you're getting close. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I'm saying like you, you probably can turn, more than that, but but yeah, you can turn second round picks into. Not every time does a team want to draft use their first round pick if they're pick 28 or whatever. So sure. you you just give yourself options. 
And at the expense of a good player, a player who has had meaningful impact on this team, when so many alum have not. But this opens up a window for you to remain competitive while also having a little flexibility because let's just be honest, man, this team is one of the least flexible rosters right now unless you really blow one of the rooms of that house up. There's not a lot of wiggle room, and now you have a little more wiggle room moving forward. I, I think two counts, uh it's important to focus on the D'Lo to Rudy specific connection uh, and the D'Lo to Cat and the D'Lo to Ant. And you know, it's kind of making fun of the perk thing. Like That chemistry did develop with Ant, and those two had been a really strong backcourt uh, over the, these past two, three months. But the, the chemistry never really developed with Carl Anthony Thompson. Never ended up being this super dynamic pick and pop, pick and roll combination that we were told it was going to be on February 8th, 2020, when Gerson Rosa said, we want that point guard. The implication there was that point guard paired with Carl, not an implication, it was a stated opinion by, by Rosa's, was going to unlock something in a pick and roll combination between those two. That did not happen. Those two had success, but they had it more, you know, individually, I would say, than than in tandem with each other. And the D'Lo and, and Rudy Gobert pick and roll combination, which was something I was very bullish on going into this season. The chemistry there wasn't it wasn't what we hoped it would be. I think everybody could agree on that, even though it was progressing, I think, again, over the past month or so. And that's where Mike Conley comes in, right? Is not only is this the salary slot preserver, it's a point guard, it's all this and that. It's a, it's a point guard who played three seasons with Rudy Gobert in, in Utah, probably Rudy's three best seasons there. Uh, just to kind of like run through this again, because I, I have these notes because I did an episode before on the potential Mike Conley trade. It was three seasons that uh, Conley was in Utah with Gobert. 2019-20 was when he went to the Jazz as a weird COVID season. It was a kind of a struggle. Uh, when when Conley got to Utah and they weren't, it wasn't what people expected it to be, right? There was this acclimation process. Gasol in Memphis with Conley was very different than Gobert was. Conley also got hurt that year. And it was the bubble year, right? They went 44 and 28 to the sixth seed in the West. Lost the Nuggets in the first round. And, and everyone was like, ah, eh, there's not, I don't know if there's a great chemistry between Conley and Gobert. The next season, it really jumps up. Conley makes the all-star team in 2020. One, um, it was probably his best year in Utah, shot 41% from three. His assists really jumped up. I think a sign of some better chemistry with Rudy. The Jazz were the number one seed in the West. They were the number three offense in the NBA, the number four defense, and the number one net rating in the league. They went to the second round that season. That's where you know they got spread out, five out against the Clippers, lose that playoff series. Season, last season, 2021-22, uh, they dropped to the five seed. They go 49 and 33. Though Conley played well again. He shot over 40% from three. Scoring dipped a little bit. He started aging. But Utah as a team or as an offense got even better. They were the number one offense in the NBA last season behind largely, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, as well. But uh, uh, had a lot to do with that Conley-Gobert pick and roll combination that they found. And yes, that flamed out. Uh, they lose the Mavs in the first round again, getting spread out. Uh, defensively, and then boom, everything blows up. Gobert is in Minnesota. Mitchell's in in Cleveland. And it didn't ultimately come to fruition there, but that shouldn't mean 
It doesn't mean that the Conleon Gobert pairing didn't grow together, didn't have a real chemistry, and we shouldn't brush over the fact that over the last two seasons, Utah was the number one and number three offense, and that that had a lot to do with the Conley and Gobert combination, which is what we should look at. We'll look at the Wild Wolves, like 20th on offense right now. I mean, they might have jumped up like seven spots after tonight, but uh, offense has been a struggle for this team. And in Mike Conley, you do get an aging player. You get a player who's probably similarly limited defensively, uh, but the way he functions as a point guard fits significantly better, I think. Or there's certainly a track record that points to the fact that those two have fit better than D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert have thus far this season. It's just a lot of talking, but I want to get that all out there. Over the last 13 seasons, uh, Mike Conley has finished above 510 times. The Timberwolves have finished below 510 times. So when you say things like he's a winner, I know that's very cheesy, um, but he has been a winner wherever he's gone. Uh, and if you, I kind of, I, I was, I was going to text you this when it happened, but I wanted to ask you on the pod, like, uh, there's been so much made of, you know, Ricky Rubio first year, right. Um, in his development or his help with Ant developing you know, COVID year, rookie season, all that stuff. So tough. Then it was Patrick Beverly year two. And you said this just a little bit ago, but you're like, D'Angelo Russell should get some credit for, you know, his development of Ant, and I'm with you. Well, they didn't give that up, right? Like, now you bring in Mike Conley, who has played with Donovan Mitchell in the past, yeah. right? Like, you put another guy... As Rubio I mean, did, to, yeah. yeah the, 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 to me, this is... It's kind of a take, but this move, to me... Like, I, I think you and Britt always talk about this, that the Rudy Gobert trade was essentially made for, like, Carl's timeline, or to maximize Carl. Because, like you say... When Ant hits his apex, Rudy might not even be on the team. This trade to me made me think that this was a trade for Anthony Edwards. Not really? only do you get Mike Conley, who played with Rudy at Utah, you think is more about Ant than it is about Rudy? No, no, no. More about Ant than it is about Carl. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I would agree right. with that. Okay, I would agree you with that. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So I the just, Rudy yeah. thing was for made for Carl to maximize, you know, have this Twin Towers thing, maximize Carl's window or whatever. Mm -hmm. This was made to, I think, maximize Ant. I'm not saying who's given the keys to who, but this is like a guy who you have another veteran point guard. Those have all been really great for Ant, right? Like, I don't know what LaMelo Ball has to lean on during tough times. I don't know what, you know, Josh or you know, Jalen Green or some of these younger guys have to lean on. Anthony Edwards has an incredible Rolodex of supportive veteran point guards in his corner that will because it's all about him right like at some point this is all going to be the anthony edwards timeline the anthony edwards show uh so to get in and bring in another guy who can do some of the stuff that russell can has been a winner everywhere uh and then to everything you just said i mean i don't think the number one prior tell me i don't think the number one priority of this trade was about rudy i just think it it does help that rudy and him have a connection and have figured it out but I mean, like, I liked your Wizards idea the other day about you could go get these three pieces. I mean, this was a trade that's also long term with the second round picks, the salary slot. It just so happens that Mike Conley fits well next to Rudy. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't have a, a ton of time to to watch, but, but you know, I, I started just going through some of the clips of uh, of Conley and Rudy last season. And I think a lot of us watched a decent amount of, of Utah over the years. And, you know, we know. Conley's game and I was kind of reminded of it just just going through it a little bit where 
he is different in the pick and roll in in that he gets into that floater space that that D'Lo doesn't right D'Lo is a mid-range or the rim kind of guy he never really added that there and you know and oftentimes and again like D'Lo shot great at the rim great for mid-range I'm not saying it was those were bad shots that D'Lo was taking but he wasn't taking those floater shots right like we'll all see this probably a ton of times it's like Conley's this left-handed shooter who comes in lane he has this right-handed floater it's a staple of his game and it fits really well with a rim rolling big that you can turn that into a lob pretty seamlessly or Rudy can clean that up for an offensive rebound in ways you can't necessarily with a mid-range jump shot or an at the basket shot and that's a that is the biggest distinction I can make between their two games in a lot of other ways they're similar Conley's also got that like pull up and transition three game that we saw from D'Lo. And he's also got pretty serious defensive limitations, just like D'Lo does. And that's probably going to fall off here precipitously because he's 35 years old, right? But that's the distinction. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how that utility of the floater range, how much that impacts Rudy. Because who on this team is working in that space, right? Ant, Ant's not a floater guy. Like J Max not a floater guy. There, there's been right, there's yep. been none of those like nine foot shots this season. And mm-hmm. again, we can debate what the effectiveness of those shots are. Rudy's used to a point guard who who plays that way. And um I'm curious to see how it goes. And I would bet that that outside of all just the chemistry of knowing someone and that and Rudy needs a friend in that locker room too, man. Like He's the new guy and, and, you know, and Mike knows him that that's, that is that there's value in that. I'm not saying Rudy's alienated, but he's, he doesn't have the incumbent relationships with the guys on the team that, that many of these guys do. And he's not the most, you know, outgoing personality where he's maybe been able to acclimate just in terms of his personality, the way that Kyle Anderson might have, right? Like he's, a different type of person. I, I don't think you could sleep on that value there either, that Mike's going to pick up on some things that he knows from the past three seasons, three seasons off the floor that are going to matter. So I think a lot about that, the relationship with Rudy and the floater range. Those are very, two very different things. Um, but I do think they're important distinctions to make when we compare D'Angelo Russell to Mike Conley even if we acknowledge that D'Lo is a better, like in a vacuum yeah. player, two K rating player, than uh, than than Conley might be. That's that's why I think this. I think those two things are something this front office is uh, is really banking on. Yeah, and I mean, we, how long have we gone? We finally did it. We went forty five minutes without bringing up Conley Towns, but he's going to come back at some point, and he's going to make a lot of money. And I I think he's going to be a fixture or a foundational piece of all this, right? And I'm a big hierarchy guy. Um, I just think, I mean, I, I think Daniel Russell is a better player than Mike Conley. Um, and I think because I'm, I'm a big age guy, I'm, you know, dynasty fantasy football guy. So I think that I would rather have, you know, a couple more years of seeing what D'Lo can do than maybe an older Conley. But I think Conley can still give you enough. And then again, the, the picks matter. But the hierarchy just emphasizes now more Carl when he comes back and more Ant. If you did go into this summer and you said, you know what, we've been we've been dating. I do want to marry D'Lo. Um, and you give him four years, 35 million a year, like 
the hierarchy becomes a little less clear, right? Like it's like you, what I'm trying to say is you can bench Mike Conley in a fourth quarter. Yeah. 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 And it's not going to let like trend on Twitter. If it, that it still exists, like you couldn't do that with D'Angelo Russell because he politics or, you know, all that stuff matters. Sure. And like, he was a good player making good money. So that's just another angle of this. And that's why I said to you a little earlier, I think this is a Anthony Edwards move. Yes, there's clearly a ton of benefit for Rudy to have a friend. <laughs> we all want a friend, right? But this just empowers Ant to be like, this is even more of your show. Mm-hmm. Um, and whoever we close with, you know, Carl, you, maybe Rudy, maybe not. But whoever we close with, it's all about you and how we maximize you. And not to do too much, but like night one against the Jazz, just give the ball to Ant, everyone space out. <laughs> it looked pretty good. It did. And I, I, I like that uh, Jim Pete got on this on the broadcast a little bit tonight, too. Like, it is getting more intriguing, the idea of of the point ant thing, right? As as more of a foundational idea for how you build out this offense, right? And and he mentioned the lineup that we've been talking about for a while now, where it's Ant at the one, Jaden at the two, Kyle Anderson at the three, Cat at the four, Rudy at the five. If that is a good lineup, if that is maybe the best lineup that this team has, is that's a theory I have. It's easier to get to that when it's Mike Conley at 35 years old who plays fewer minutes, will probably be injured right. more often, and who you can bench more easily right. uh, than than you could with D'Angelo Russell. And I I think there's I I I believe there's value in that i think that might be the future of this iteration of of the way of the way this roster is constructed so i'm intrigued by that and again and maybe we'll talk about this uh a little bit later once we start talking about some salary cap stuff too but the salary slot did carry over and it is a non-guaranteed it is like half guaranteed contract for next season which holds some real salary cap value for maybe another team even just this summer Who's trying to get off of money? Maybe they have, you know, and it could be in a three-team trade. Like we, I don't even want to think about the trade machine right now, but it could be a player who's making thirty-some million dollars. And if you're the Wolves, you can put Conley's twenty-five on the table, and you can put say Torian Prince's seven and a half on the table, and there you go. You have the salary matched, but you don't have that burden of the full twenty-five million that you need to take in as the other team. Again. I'm not saying Mike Conley's going to get traded this summer for sure, but you have an optionality because he's under contract for next season, specifically in a contract that is easier to trade due to the fact that it's non-guaranteed. I'm going to do one more live break here, uh, Kyle, but we'll we'll keep going with this. And I just wanted to uh, let you all know uh, that you're listening. Maybe you're excited about uh, this trade. And you know, Friday night, the the Wolves are going to play the Grizzlies. You can go to Falling Knife Brewing Company. Uh, to watch that game. I know they're putting up a second projector screen in that room, so it's going to kind of be like wall-to-wall in there uh, with uh, Wolves Wolves watch parties. They got the TVs in there as well uh, in the tap room. So this weekend, throughout the rest of the season, you're looking for a place to go to to watch the Wolves games, Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, in Northeast. And they're also doing a Super Super Bowl party uh, this Sunday that you can get tickets for. It is a ticketed event. Uh, it's $45. You can go to Falling Knife BC on Instagram or Twitter to 
to get those uh, those tickets. If you're looking for those, it's uh, again forty five dollars for a ticket to the Super Bowl party. Comes with all you can eat food and two free pints of beer or a pitcher of beer. Uh, so keep Fall Knife Brewing Company on your radar for the Super Bowl and or for the rest of this Wolf season. Uh, I think this is going to be a team that uh, you're going to want to watch and uh, maybe one you're going to want to watch together with friends or just other fellow Wolves fans. So again, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, Kyle, uh, let's keep moving through this. We were sort of talking about salary cap stuff, and uh, this podcast is going to be irrelevant in 24 hours. So I'm acknowledging <laughs> that the, the player, I'm going to talk about Nas Reed right now, and I don't know if he's going to be on the team. Um, in, in 24 hours, that's obviously a player whose, whose name is, is out there. It's a player who in ways would make sense to trade because you have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on your team. But I think a lot of the conversation with Nas has not, I don't know if it's replaced the trade talk, but it has, um, kind of been in addition to the trade talk where he is now it's extension talk with him. And, and what was preventing the Wolves from, from sal- salary cap wise, from offering him an extension was the fact that they didn't have this salary cap slot, the D'Lo salary slot preserved for next season. So they were going to, if D'Lo would have just fallen off the books, the Wolves would have had cap space. And until they knew what they were going to do with D'Lo, it would not have made sense to give Nas an extension because that extension would have just eaten up that cap space. What they were waiting to do was potentially use that cap space, like $14 million on someone, and then give Nas an extension this summer with his bird rights there. Point being, you now know the Wolves are not going to be a a cap space team. They're not going to operate as a cap space team this summer. So there is nothing salary cap wise. I don't know if I can say nothing, but far less salary cap wise that gets in the way of offering Nas Reed an extension because we know this team is no longer going to operate as a cap space team this summer. That's complicated, but just know it didn't make sense from a salary cap standpoint to give Nas an extension prior to this point in time. And now it does. Yeah. That makes sense. That was like my fun. No, that, yeah, it does make sense. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was like my final kind of nugget on the Conley thing. And it should be mentioned that we're doing this a lot late Wednesday night. Uh, prior to the trade deadline, this is a week that for some fans is more exciting than the basketball product, right? They just love the transactions. They love the notifications and the Conley thing. Like you said, there's no guarantee either way. There's no guarantee that he's the starting point guard game one next season. But what this does is it just, again, gives you more options for more activity, whether that be a Nas extension or pairing his salary with a TP or something else or attaching second round picks or just it gives you more options to do more stuff whereas if you did just you know straight up sign a d'angelo russell you kind of pigeonholed yourself even more into just a really bloated salary cap sheet for four or five guys so yeah no i'm with you the the, the nas thing i was gonna actually that was in my notes i was gonna ask you like it kind i mean it might not happen still the rest of this season yeah yeah, no it doesn't guarantee i'm not or i I don't know if it's gonna happen or not I'm talking about from a salary cap standpoint that it now would make sense to do it if it does, if it is a value in Conley in the front office's mind to uh, to keep him around, even though you do have Townsend Gobert. 
so just a clarification on that, like with the Conley thing now on the team and the Nas Reed stuff, like do would they do they have any teach me, teach the listener, like do they still have any like mid level exception stuff they can use or any of that stuff? Or like are they are they pretty much yeah. entering an off season so, where So now if you're over the cap, you can use the mid level exception. Um that that's that's the distinction, right? Like if you're under the cap, you're using salary cap space. If you're an above the cap team, you can use the mid level, which be about like ten and a half, eleven million dollars the max amount this year. It was about ten this year. They signed Kyle Anderson with that for nine. Uh the mid level is just a little I always say it's like a gift certificate for teams who are over the salary cap. Every team gets one of those gift certificates a season and they can choose to use it. You know, you don't have to use it. Sometimes teams don't because that can push you into the luxury tax, which that is a looming possibility here for the Wolves or imminent uh possibility. That's coming in 2024. Um, but yes, that, that is part of the distinction there too. So now as I think about the off season, you think about it from, you're probably just adding a mid-level player. Um, and then any other move would be a trade. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was just my, this trade while giving you more transactional flexibility also kind of locks you in as like, if the no major moves are made. You kind of know what you're going to walk into October with, right? You kind of know what you're going to walk into training camp with is kind of this team with hopefully just more seasoned, developed younger guys and just a Carl Rudy front court with a Jaden Ant wing duo and then Mike Conley, wherever you kind of put pick put there next to them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it, tonight was today was crazy. I, mean, I don't know what it was like for you. I know, I know you texted or called me seconds after you got off. We got to stop flying during these big transaction periods because the last time I flew, they acquired this seven foot two French guy and I tried to threaten to move to Mexico. So uh, a crazy day. I would imagine not trying to dig into your source, but I would just imagine this might be it. I mean, this, this is this is the move. I, if you I do anything else. that's very know. minor. Uh, I mean, we know. I, call yeah, who knows? Traded. I mean, yeah, uh, there there are other tweaks to the, uh, one that has to happen is you brought in two players. That's what I was going to ask you. And, yeah. And you sent one out. Um, they don't have a roster spot, so somebody is going to need to be um, waived or traded. The deal hasn't gone final. That's probably part of it. Like you could then functionally make this a three-team trade, and you could send out right Bryn Forbes to another team into cap space or something, or you could just waive Forbes or someone else uh, on the roster. Although I saw a lot of people talking about Matt Ryan. It can't be Matt Ryan or Luca Garza because they're on two-way contracts. It needs to be one of the contracted players. And I think Brent Forbes would probably be the one that you would point to. Though he, he played uh he played pretty well um tonight as well. He shot like a dude who knew he was getting waved tomorrow. <laughs> like he was just like, I don't give a bleep. Like let me yeah. just get this thing up there. So okay, so that was that was another thing I was gonna ask you was like because Matt Ryan seemed like even though I'm kind of a Matt Ryan fan, he seemed like the option, but you, that that's not a thing. You can't really cut Matt Ryan to mm-hmm. fill that because yeah, no, he's the, on a two way contract. So, okay, so, so and yeah, and it'll be and it's like what about Nate Knight? Just hypothetical. Yeah, no, that Nate Knight. Uh, also, that would probably be you know, uh, just if you're looking at the bottom of the salaries uh, on the team, you know, that would be the the less burdensome one, right? He's he's also on on a minimum contract. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's not Austin Rivers. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it would probably if somebody's getting waived, it would be Forbes or Knight. I would assume. Uh, but again, it could be it could be a trade. It could be another trade that ends up happening 
where the Wolves are sending three guys out and getting two back in that one, right? You, they just need to shed one contract here before they can bring in um, or finalize the, the Conley and Alexander Walker being Timberwolves. So you're going to bring on, I, you and I usually do this on Fridays after you've talked to all the smart basketball people. Uh, you let me cook a little bit, but uh, you're going to bring on Britt tomorrow to actually have a real honest, smart basketball conversation. But uh, can we can we talk about the game really quick? Yeah, let's, uh, let's take one more break here and we will uh, talk about the Jalen Noel show on uh, what is today? Wednesday, <laughs> that game uh, that, that just happened last night. We'll be back for one more segment with uh, Kyle Tige after a break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, back with Kyle Tiggy. Kyle, I'll, uh, I'll kick it to you. Not that I, I did watch the game. Um, I was distracted and, and stuff as it was as it was going down, uh, though it was, uh, it was impressive. I think like kind of top down, you know, whatever Utah was dealing with quote unquote of ambiguity of who's going to be on the team or who's not going to be on the team. I mean, the wolves had that as well. Uh, I think Utah's maybe in a little bit different of a position where I think they push themselves into the Wemby, uh, lottery here pretty quick. I, I think Utah's not done making moves here uh, at the deadline. But uh, but yeah, both teams had a hell of a day. The Wolves are coming off getting spanked in Denver 24 hours ago. And uh, it was it was a really impressive performance by some by a lot of guys who don't often get get the chance. Uh, you know, shout out Jalen Noel for, you know, in these at least two of these last three games, he's been extremely impactful. Uh, we talked about how I think Jordan McLaughlin being back, sliding Jalen off ball is is something that is productive, though. I guess he started at at point guard tonight, though. I think Ant was kind of initiating more than more than Noel was. And then, uh, man, your boy, the the lawnmower. Say his name. Josh Minot. Uh, he I, in garbage time of I was sitting there 
uh, at Ball Arena, and I'm like, what am I doing here? This is the dumbest basketball game <laughs> I've I've covered. <laughs> was that before or yeah. after the hot chocolate got spilled on you? <laughs> Jamal, Jamal Murray <laughs> did spill a hot chocolate on my <laughs> that was That was at the beginning. Of the, that's what I knew. I should have known that my next 24 hours was going to be chaotic but uh but yes josh by not he uh man uh i the the dude is is the lawnmower and man in, in all seriousness so much more functional of a player than he was at summer league i mean still oh, obviously sure. a, a lot of well, you saw pitch a couple times on the broadcast be like that's not what we're doing josh you know like he has he has uh obviously a, a lot to learn they didn't really anticipate playing him at all this season. Minot was was really added with the idea that he would be the quote unquote first round pick next season for this team. Um but you know we 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 got a chance to see him and I thought the most interesting thing this is kind of minutia but man they look for him like they do Nas, right? Or like Nate yep. Knight. It, it's yep. it's that like there's something about Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards and a lot of the guards on this team that they're just more comfortable playing with fast athletic bigs. Than they are with Rudy and Carl and maybe Garza is a better example there, right? Like they like those speed type of bigs, activity bigs. Um, whereas you know Rudy and Carl, million levels above that. But I, I just thought that was interesting. It's like, all right, throw my not into that uh, maybe floor spread, push the pace type of game uh, for a you know, six foot nine whatever player on this team. So yeah, he 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 definitely stood out to me in that game. I've I've done a lot of podcasts now. I've written a lot of blogs. I've done, it's been a lot of Jaden McDaniel's propaganda. Um, Jaden McDaniel, I think, has played 187 games. His career high for rebounds is 11. I think Josh Minot has played four NBA games, and he had 11 rebounds tonight. Um, Active on the glass for sure. And and your I don't have kids, but to the parents listening, this has to feel like when your kid graduates, like this. I was so happy watching Josh play, not because it's a bit or anything, but like you and I kicked off. This oh, I, I've got some like legitimately angry texts from you this season where you're like, wait a minute. Why? Why is this? what we're rolling? like, why hasn't Josh Minot see the floor? And and I think that's actually proving to be like. Prescient like that. It, he seems like given when they've gone deep on this roster when they've been forced to due to injuries and stuff this season, particularly at like the four when Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince have, have missed time and they've, they gave those minutes to a guard like Bryn Forbes or something like that, or even Matt Ryan. It is kind of like, would have that maybe been better if it was Josh Minor? I, I don't know. I don't want to overreact to what he looked like in two pretty broken games, but, uh, but yeah, like he, he looks significantly more NBA ready than I thought because I thought he was not at all NBA ready a week ago. Well, and listen, I'm an idiot. And a lot of those texts were idiotic texts, but like, I think the first time I brought it up was this season has had so many chapters, but there was a chapter of this season where it was like, who gives a damn, who's going to give an effort. Mm. And the reason I bring up Josh Minas, because again, we kicked this season off you and I in Vegas, like watching him in summer league, you know, a team that, doesn't have Walker Kessler as they trade him away. And so it's like Wendell Moore and Josh Minor. What, you know, it's always the more athletic guys that pop in the summer at Summer League. Wendell's not really an athlete. Um, but at that time, I was like, wow, Josh is just kind of like, he gives a damn. He's going to contest shots at the rim. He's going to dive for loose balls. Um, 
And again, tonight, and yes, tonight was a broken game. There are so many things that went in tonight that you really can't, you know, extrapolate moving forward, but he can rebound. He's a huge human being. Hmm. And to get 11 rebounds, have two blocks, again, he can protect the rim. And then just also, too, if you're thinking about an Anthony Edwards team, you kind of just want stallions that can run with him. <laughs> and Josh gets out in transition and just, I think that was my, I have to watch this game again, probably with the lights off, but it's incredible just how fast Josh Minot is. Like he's a really good athlete. Um, are all the second round picks that they got in the trade today going to be Josh Minot's? That'd be great. But it does, it, Tim Conley does have a knack sometimes for finding, you know, again, the other guy I want to bring up, Luca Garza cooked Walker Kessler tonight. <laughs> cooked him. Well, Luca Garza had four made threes tonight. Walker Kessler has zero made threes all season. Okay. Maybe Danny Ainge traded for the wrong center. Okay. Luca, okay. Okay. <laughs> Luca Garza. I'm just saying, like, he has a knack for finding some of these low value guys. Yes, they have flaws. Luca Garza has been cooked by Monster and all these things. But this is some of the stuff that's like when we talked in September, you and I in a random Vegas hotel room, it was like the depth of this team is going to be necessary. And tonight you don't have Carl and you randomly don't have Kyle Anderson. And now D'Lo's out for personal reasons. And now Rudy's out too. Like to be able to just say, hey, Josh, we're going to play 29 minutes and he's going to tie Jane McDaniel's career high in rebounds. That's a really big thing. Because also too, of all the stuff that took place today, and it seemed like today was nine years long, beating the Jazz was important. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like winning that game when we just said like, what, a week ago that every game matters, beating the Jazz on top of maybe making a good trade and maybe getting some assets is a big deal. And I was just, I was really happy for Josh because we got to talk to him in Vegas. He he seems like a really good kid. He seems like the Wolves kind of have a sneaky development program where like he's putting his time in Des Moines. He's, he's developed. He has big, big box scores. And then to come in tonight and yeah, he, there was one play where he just did something stupid and he immediately like kind of looked at Finch. Finch was ready to smoke a cigarette. And Josh was like tapping on the chest, like, I, that was my bad, my bad. And then Josh sprinted down court and I think got a block. So you love to see that stuff from your young guys. Um, there were not 44 better picks in the 2022 NBA draft than Josh Minot. So they got a steal. That stuff matters. Again, when you make the Rudy Gobert trade, you have to hit on all the margins. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they hit with Josh Minot. Can we quickly do a exercise that I have not done yet since this trade, which is just kind of going through the depth chart like God, you hated that i said luca cooked walker kessler give me that for one night one he night he, he hit him with a sky dude, there's, there's, <laughs> luca is a good offensive player i i don't think that is like a, 25 points debate. and and meaning like and we, we saw luca go at i have mobley that that one game too again offensively it's the, it's the other side of the floor for luca and uh you know it's an interesting uh note on on luca he can. He only has ten games left of eligibility this season. Remember, he randomly oh yep, sat yep. out that uh, that Denver win when they won by like thirty when Denver sat all their players. That's because he's on a two way contract. You can only you can only be active for fifty games when you're on a a two way contract. And I believe tonight was his fortieth um, active game this season. So uh, Luca just does. I mean. You know, hopefully you get cap back and all that, but he 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 literally can't play in half the rest of the games for the, more than half the games for the rest of the season. Uh, not to take away from what he did to to Walker Kessler at all, and I I think he's someone this this org actually 
uh, really likes and is interested in seeing, you know, what he can develop into. Because, I mean, he's never going to be a staple of a rotation or staple of a starting lineup player, right? But can he kind of be like a microwave scorer off the bench guy when he hits his prime? You know, maybe I think that's that's the, that's the aspiration with him. But let's let's go through this. Because I, 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 I'm doing this because I haven't really thought about where Nikhil Alexander-Walker fits into this. Just from, again, a player I need to watch more of to, to better understand um, exactly what his game is. But as I was scribbling down a, a depth chart here, there's just a like, crap ton of twos on this team now. And um, a, a real issue I've had with the Finch's rotation, and to be fair, kind of the rotation he's been forced into, given how much time uh, Torian Prince and Kyle Anderson have missed this season, is he's had to go to that three-guard look a lot, where it's yeah. like Jalen Noel, D'Lo, and Bryn Forbes, and or Austin Rivers is maybe in the mix there. And what was what I think was so hard about that was none of those guards outside of Rivers were really perimeter defenders or point of attack defenders like I think at a minimum Nikhil Alexander Walker sort of fits into that when if and when you play three guards you can you can have him out there and not feel like you're totally creating cratering defensively um that's a little interesting to me though if I just go through this it's it's hard to find spots like just the guards okay so let's lump the point guards and shooting guards on this roster together Got Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards. That sounds crazy to say you got Mike Conley. Got Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jordan McLaughlin, Austin Rivers, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jalen Noel, Wendell Moore Jr., and Bryn Forbes. That's eight guards, right? Um, And again, a lot of those guys have played the three this year, right? Like Austin Mm -hmm. Rivers plays plays the three a lot. So it's not like you're totally locked into the guard positions. but but that buys you some some perimeter defense and it takes up for they're a little bit thinner at the three, right? Where it's Jade McDaniels and Torian Prince and then Kyle Anderson, if when Cat gets back, you slide him to the three, right? And and then at power forward, you have Cat, Kyle Anderson getting all those backup minutes. I think we know. Uh, you know. Nate Knight and Josh Minot are going to be out of the rotation, but I put them at the four, four as well. And then at the five, you got Rudy, Nas, and then you got Cat um, playing some center when when Rudy is off the floor. I don't really even know what the point of me going through that was exactly, other than I just needed to look at this on 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 paper uh, in front of me. And yeah, I, I think with uh, Alexander Walker, I could see him playing though it might be reserved for those three guard lineups where you need a little bit more defense. That's my, literally, that is my initial reaction. Well, I I just wrote it down too, right? Pretty straightforward. This is one, barring no more trades, and two, with the... (laughs) And literally one of those players need to leave the team. Yeah. (laughs) So something is going to happen, yeah. And And then also with the expectation, or the hope, I guess, that Carlton Towns does return this season, which we don't know, but... It's pretty straightforward to me, and I'll, so I'll push back on one of the things that, but yeah, it's Conley, Ant, Jaden, Carl, Rudy. Pretty yep. straightforward, straight five. 
Kyle Anderson's probably the first guy off the bench for one of the bigs, mm-hmm. right? And then you kind of transition into that. So let's say Kyle behind Carl, Nas behind Rudy, TP behind Jaden. Well, hold on. Uh, Are we putting Nas in the rotation? I mean, like if if if, if, if you have Cat and Rudy and they're both playing thirty four minutes, like that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's I, fair. I mean, isn't Carl going to play the other? The minutes Rudy is not in at center, isn't Carl going to get those? Yeah, that's like, fine. That's fair. I, my, my, I yeah. was getting to the point of like, obviously, Jordan McLaughlin backs up Conley. Like, mm-hmm. if Jalen Noel sticks through the trade deadline, I mean, yeah, dude, he's plus 38 tonight. He was like a plus 34 the other night against Denver. Just some insane plus minus. But let's And say he, he was only up. minus 15 in the loss to Denver in a game, what they lose by 36. Like, three good games in a row from Jalen Noel. You know, context he, of two if, of those games being insane. If he found his spot up, like, three-point shot again, then that's a game changer. Like, that's a good trade deadline acquisition in itself. But yeah, this kind of went, like, starters and then a backup guy. But then, like, my 11th guy, hypothetically, I said Nas backs up Rudy. is like, yeah, I don't know where Austin Rivers fits. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he has been a, you know, beloved member of Finch's kind of trust tree. Mm-hmm. Um, And I have 11 guys listed. And the whole point of this whole exercise is that I... I'm so excited for Josh Minot. He's never going to play again <laughs> no. when the team's healthy. And Nikhil Alexander, I mean, you were talking about certain things he could do, and it makes all the sense in the world, and this probably isn't likely, but I was just like, well, maybe he's going to start over Emmanuel Moutier in the Iowa Wolves. <laughs> like, I, I, there's no way he plays. The, that's the one thing. You just said they have eight guards. They can kind of play a three-guard lineup, whatever. There's no way if Jordan McLaughlin's calf stays There's just no way that that he really plays. If they don't... Make another move. Yeah, make another move. I mean... There's a way to to frame this that it now makes even more sense to move on from Jalen Noel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and again, what do they think of Nikhil Alexander Walker? I would bet that somebody in that front office was like all in on Nikhil Alexander Walker in 2019, and was just way high on their board, and you know didn't get him or whatever. And and has always kind of held out on this, you know. That that's what these front office guys do, man. Like they are grinding this film. They're traveling around to go watch these players. Like I would not be shocked at all if somebody like four years ago in the Wolves front office was like, "I love Nikhil Alexander Walker." And if that is the case, and by someone you mean Dell Demps? <laughs> I think he didn't he draft him in New Orleans. Was he? No, he wasn't still there in twenty nineteen. Dell wasn't there in twenty nineteen, was he? Or was he? Uh, he started in Utah in twenty twenty. I'm on Wikipedia right now doing research, so keep talking. But I no, I, no, no. I, Dell, Dell was fired from GM of the Pelicans before, like, before the Anthony Davis trade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, that's fair. I, I don't know, and, and I'm not, I'm not doing this. Somebody like I actually know it was someone I know. I mean, I, I would assume somebody in the Wolves front office loved to kill Alexander Walker. I don't know who it was. I'm not like being coy here in in saying somebody texted me this and I. I just can't say their name. I, I don't know. That just wouldn't surprise me at all if they want to invest in the Kale Alexander Walker and give him rotation minutes. And I think to do so, you, the person you would probably be cutting out of the rotation that's currently in it is either Jalen Noel or Austin Rivers. Um, and, you know, I would say if I had to compare Alexander Walker to one of those two players, I think he's a lot more functionally similar to Austin Rivers than he is to Jalen Noel as more of a defensive player than an offensive player. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I have been given no indication uh, where they're at on Alexander Walker, but he's uh, 
I think he, he factors in it certainly as much or more than Wendell Moore, right? Like, uh, I think he'll be in the mix. And we're coming, we're an hour and a half removed from Jalen Noel dropping 30 yeah. on 11 of 16. I mean, Jalen Noel was a large factor of why they won that game. So if you're listening to this and Jalen hasn't been traded yet, you're thinking to yourself, I'm thinking this, why would you trade that guy? But to spin it all the way back to the top, it goes back to, you know, my weird marriage analogy. Like, if you also know that Jalen's not going to be here this summer and he would rather go to other places or you just, you've looked, I mean, for as much as we look at cap sheets, they look at cap sheets a lot more and on their whiteboards and stuff. If you know Jalen's not going to be here, you did bring in another guard, right? And that's, I think the exercise was successful in the fact that you have a lot of guards that can play a lot of roles and do some things. Maybe some are less polished than others. Maybe some can't shoot. Maybe some can't defend. But again, if you know and you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you really aren't ever going to get free agents and you're going to have to overpay in trades and you know that a guy is going to leave, then that's why you do the trade you did today. And that's why you maybe do the trade you do tomorrow. And it's not even saying that that player isn't like perfect example. Like I think I have as much Nas Reed stock as anybody out there. And have yeah. early on. And and I would am saying it probably makes sense to trade Nas Reed tomorrow. It 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 probably does. If you can't, you know, find some sort it just probably does make sense to trade Nas Reed. So when I say like the D'Andre Russell getting traded or or what you're saying with Jalen Noel, it's like we're looking at the logistics of the roster and we're looking at what's out there and what these guys I'm gonna play I I, I have this clip from when I asked Noel about free agency. I played this on the pod the other day, but like this is where Jalen is publicly on the record at about his future in Minnesota. It's your fourth year here. You've talked with us before in the past about navigating kind of that time. You described it as a sort of long, dark hallway there uh, earlier. This is your fourth year. It's the last year of, of your contract. Your name's out there. How, how for you, like how, how do you process that and I would imagine, you know, you're you've kind of been building something here and it's kind of this arbitrary line in the sand of like, okay, my contract's up here. Like, how how do you think about that? And how do you think about the idea that, you know, it's not guaranteed that you'll be in Minnesota long term? I mean, I just I, I think about it as, you know, today we have a game. And then in a couple other days we have a game. And we're gonna make the playoffs. And so I'm gonna be in Minnesota for at least this year. And Whatever happens, happens. What has it just been like? I mean, this is the only team. I'll phase that out there, there, Kyle. But that that's, you know, and, and that's just him being a businessman in, in the NBA, too. Like, he he's looking at it. He's looking at a packed cap sheet. He's looking at a team that has Anthony Edwards at shooting guard and apparently now, like, nine other shooting guards on their team. Uh not because we don't like Jalen Noel, but it might again just make sense to to trade Jalen Noel uh, if you can get if there is some sort of trade out there that makes sense for you because it is unlikely that he's on this team next season. Yeah, prior to Jordan McLaughlin, I know you talked with Jace, who is the leader of the Jordan McLaughlin fan club, but uh, prior to J Max return, I think Jalen Noel had only scored double digit points in two of his previous ten games, and now he's had two double digit scoring performances in his last three and. You could asterisk that by saying the Denver game doesn't count because no one got to really play. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this is if I wake up tomorrow and this is Jalen Noel's last game, he went out, you know, he went out firing. 
Totally. I was thinking about that with the with the Delo stuff too. Like DeAndre Russell's last game in a Timberwolves uniform, he was ejected. <laughs> right? Like he was he literally just got out of there early, just like you did, apparently, to go watch LeBron break the scoring record. So um yeah, this team, I mean, I would imagine, you know, this team will still be very I don't I don't know if you want to say active prior to the deadline on Thursday, but they have so many people in that front office that have so many connections. You're gonna take calls, you're gonna see if you can be a third team on something. Um but Kyle, it it reminds me of the Rosa's first trade deadline, right? Like where, and obviously he got rid of like nine players at that trade deadline. But I, I mean that to when you are a GM and you get hired by a new team, you inherit the previous GM's player preferences and that cap sheet. And, mm-hmm. and Gershon Rosa's was like, I don't think it's that he didn't like those guys or anything like that. It wasn't. Christian Rosas was clearly not building a team in the image that Tom Thibodeau did before him, right? And so when the opportunity came to make big changes, he did it fast and often, right? And and Tim Connolly has has done that too. He did it as soon as he got hired. He traded for Rudy Gobert. And then at the trade deadline, as soon as he could, even before the deadline, he traded D'Angelo Russell away. So again, pattern of behavior of, of GMs when they in, inherit new teams they normally take a scalpel to it and 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 change it up. So I, I'm not ruling out anything. I mean, we've been hearing different sort of things. Noel, Nas, whatever, like all these different players around the league. I, I, I think this little depth chart that I just made on this piece of paper in front of me <laughs> could very well be absolute trash in about 14 hours from now. So I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think we very well could be looking at some tweaks, if not major tweaks to this, this roster in the next, yeah. By the next time I record a podcast. Do Crazy I have, do we have anything else? Did I, what, no, what, else, what else I missed? I, I, I can go anything? deeper on Josh Montana if you wanted to. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, a, a crazy day. This is, this is always a really fun time of year. Uh, I know as a fan, first and foremost, I don't pretend to be anything else. Uh, appreciate you. You've had, you've been flying all across the country doing a lot of pods, but yeah, 30 and 28, 30 wins. Hmm. I know that that was not the Vegas number, right? This has still been, I would say, a disappointing season compared to what we were talking about in September and October. Uh, but man, man, I've been following this team for way too long, according to my therapist. And like, you see a lot of 30 win seasons. So 30 and 28, uh, you've distanced yourself now. I mean, think about this. They're two 19 games and five of- and they hit the over. They go 19 and five the rest of the way. Listen, I'm not going to bring up what I said the morning of New Year's Eve when I said they'd go 15 and 10 before the All-Star break, but I'm pretty sure they're like 14 and seven. So who knows hoops now? But uh, no, I mean, (laughs) you're two games ahead of the Jazz and in the Western Conference, that's, you know, a quick standings thing before we kind of send this off and to the the trade deadline. But like the Portland Trailblazers made a move tonight too with Josh Hart going to the Knicks, where it's like, that's a step back. Yeah, uh, the I, Jazz are clearly that's a good point. taking thought about that. a massive step back. Clearly, the Lakers are loading up. But I don't know, man. I watched that Lakers team last night, and I know that they're bringing in all the 2022 uh, scores, table jumpers to try to run back to what the Wolves did last year. But that's Lakers team's not good. But like, my point is you're starting to see these teams with Steph's injury or these teams like, you know what? We're not going to be buyers. We're going to be sellers. We're going to jump into the Wemby race. Um, it's a It's a big day. Because you made a big move and you can be pro the move against the move. 
but you also accumulated assets. And then the only thing that matters, the only way this team is going to get respect is they won a game and they moved up the standings. And now you try to get everyone. I mean, Mike Conley might make his debut where he was drafted, right? On Friday night in Memphis, Tennessee. So a pretty good day for the Timberwolves. They don't have a lot of those. They might not have a lot more of those moving forward, but 30 wins. If not not Memphis, then uh, against Kyrie on uh, on Monday, right? I think that's that's next up in in Dallas after the the Memphis matchup. Just one one last thing on um, D-Lo. As you were talking about the Lakers, remind me of this, like, my and I, I'm pretty sure I've said this on on the pod before, but like I I think D'Lo very well can be a Tyler hero, uh and and that like can sound pejorative because it's a six man he won six man of the year but we know that Tyler hero it was and has been so much more than a, a six man he's not sixth in the pecking order on that on that Miami team he was he went to the finals and was a massive scorer for the Miami Heat in in an NBA finals. And I really think D'Angelo Russell can be that in in the right situation. And I think the Lakers kind of shape up to present that type of opportunity. Again, it's not I think he's going to start, but it's sort of that hero type of role. Um so I I'm, I'm curious to watch it. Yeah, like you said, it's like it's the 2021-22 uh Wolves D'Lo, Vando, Bees uh, Pat Bev out there like um, that. That'll be that'll be a fun team to watch. And it is always it is always uh, a little you know, slightly maybe weirder uh, for us or for me uh, when the trade deadline is because I, I like you, like probably everyone listen to this, like find the trade deadline to be fun. It is a little bit different once you've I mean, don't pretend to be friends with any of these guys, but I have somewhat of a, you know, a relationship with them. And I do. You know, I I, ha- I have nothing uh, against D'Angelo Russell personally whatsoever. I mean, he came, came on this podcast before. I uh, was was always someone I I was I felt like I was you know cool with Dilo's this kind of bizarre sort of dude, but uh, I never you know felt like disrespect from him. So uh, you know, I'm 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 hoping for the best for him, and uh, and same goes for like Jalen Noel or Nas Reed or whoever else if, if somebody else uh gets moved here it's always it's always odd uh when, when these players move on but uh it's cool to track them in, in new places I'm, I'm legit excited to to watch the lakers because man, i think vandal's gonna be such a good fit there and, and beasley too like um yeah that that'll I mean, be fun d'angelo d'angelo russell malik beasley lebron james jared vanderbilt anthony davis and then pat bev filming it all on the bench with a camera <laughs> like that's a pretty fun team no i uh because I think it's my last pod for the week. This is my last time. We'll probably really talk about D'Angelo Russell. But um, for all my propaganda and for all my optimism and for all my homerism, like I also know that I cover one of the worst sport teams in sports history. Um, but I'll never forget April uh, 12th. I was sitting next to you April 12th at Target Center playing game. Oh, okay. D'Angelo Russell, 29 points, six assists, five rebounds, three steals, one turnover. They don't win that game without him. And had 30. That's great. But Pat had seven. Vando had three. Carl had 11. Not much off the bench. Um, this team doesn't have a lot of fun, banner-worthy moments, right? Like, we hang banners for memes at this point. Um, for them to win that game, whether you think 
whatever you think about this current team or their assets or their value, whatever, they're not the Rockets anymore. And it all started kind of in that playing game by sure. getting to the playoffs, figuring out what holes they had, trying to address those holes by making blockbuster trades. And like, I know this sounds And by making this savvy. trade too. Like, I mean, yep. and they ultimately found that D'Angelo Russell was a hole, right? And it was it was a direction they wanted to, to go another direction. And I see logic in that too. Um, I, I think I think D'Lo did was both things. I think D'Lo was a, a strength of this team at times, and I think he was problematic at times too. Um, we bring up the play-in, but got to bring up the Memphis series too, right? Like that was an issue, and his attitude. As much as I was praising his attitude this season, his attitude was not good in in that Memphis series either. So, uh, as is unfortunately the case often with Wolves players, it's it's kind of all over the place, right? Um, their their experience in in Minnesota and uh, yeah, I, he will be a a staple of this franchise much of the way that Andrew Wiggins is, which uh, had his holes, but also um, you know. We all spent, everyone who's listening to this, myself, certainly hand-raised, spend way too much time thinking about this team, talking about this team, watching this team. Um, and even players who are imperfect are a big part of that, right? Like, Andrew Wiggins was, I think, obviously never going to to fit here long-term, and it made a lot of sense to trade him at that time just you just kind of ran into that fork in the road and i think you ran into that same thing with d'angelo russell because uh the weight of those holes did outweigh uh the the virtues that that d'lo had so again shout out to d'lo um and i am excited to to watch mike conley replace him and see how this impacts the team in a tweet man like i, I love this stuff i i, I was excited I wasn't excited Carl Anthony Downs got hurt, but I was excited to be like, what does this mean for Ant, right? And it turned into something very different. And that's where my head goes with this is, what does this mean for Rudy adding Mike yeah. Conley? And uh, I don't know, Ant really met those expectations, but I think I think it, Rudy could too. And we we will see, which is like I end every single one of these episodes with. We, we will see all of these trades the Gobert one included uh, require years of time before reasonable judgment is is passed on them. And uh, years from now, too, we'll we'll see how the Mike Conley for D'Angelo Russell trade uh, plays out. Kyle, I have to go to sleep. Um, this is this has been a long day. I really do appreciate you uh, coming on to do this. Uh, <laughs> what y'all call me the lawnmower? We, we, you showed me a Josh Minot tweet before Josh I go. Has, well, it approaches midnight. We've said our goodbyes to D'Angelo Russell. I will always appreciate him. Uh, as the clock strikes midnight, Josh Minot has treated, tweeted once since arriving in Minnesota. He tweeted for the second time tonight, what y'all call me? The lawnmower? Question mark. That so, was his quote, man. That was, that we've was we've, that made, was it. we've made it as a fan base. We've made it as a team. The Josh Minot night, the Mike Conley day, the D'Angelo Russell tenure um fun day for timberwolves fans as always i appreciate everyone who supports me over at score pre uh supports this pod um it's only going to get crazier right yeah because we're either going to have some more trades or now they're going to be playing playoff basketball for the next 24 games so fun time uh i think the worst is maybe behind us and i look forward to future future games i look forward to uh talking with Britt tomorrow about this as well i 
sure he'll have a, a whole different set of opinions. <laughs> Maybe a, a, a whole different set of variables will have changed here in the next uh, 12 hours. But I will be back um, with Britt on Thursday afternoon after the deadline. That'll probably be up Thursday evening. Uh, until then, he's Kyle at Kyle Tyge on Twitter. You can uh, listen to his podcast over at Score North with Phil Mackey. Um, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Till tomorrow. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com